Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Storms are mighty, be it thunderstorm supercells, tornadoes, or hurricanes. Although some tornadoes may still aspire, the heavy tornado season has come to an end. However, hurricane season, which runs from June to November, is still lurking. Predicting centers are forecasting an above-average Atlantic hurricane season with the likes of 13 to 17 named storms, including 6 to 8 hurricanes. Not good news. <laughs> with us today is Eric Burns, an international storm chaser who has witnessed and documented over 235 tornadoes and numerous supercell thunderstorms, from the reaches of the northern plains to the high plains of Colorado, down to the border of Mexico and deep south Texas. Eric, owner and tour director of Tornadic Expeditions, is a former NBC affiliate media chaser. His footage has been featured on The Weather Channel, CNN, CBS, NBC, and more. He is currently a video stringer for Live Storms Media, providing storm footage for media outlets across the nation. In 2017, Eric chased and documented Category 4 Hurricane Harvey on the Texas coast, witnessing firsthand the power and devastation of this catastrophic storm. We're going to talk to him about that and so much more, all things weather. Welcome, Eric. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm doing well, and I think this is going to be a very interesting subject for our listeners. Let's let's just start by talking just in brief about the 2021 storm season so far, like how many tornadoes, et cetera. Overall, the uh, 2021 storm season has been uh, fairly below average when it comes to tornado count. Preliminarily, right now, there's uh, 785 reported tornadoes throughout the country, which is um, pretty far below the long-term average for uh, you know, uh, yearly tornado counts up to this point of the year. Um, for our storm-chasing tours, it was actually a very good year. Uh, we observed many tornadoes this year, um, and it was uh, there was always a lot to chase. But just a lot of storms this year just uh, had trouble uh, producing tornadoes, or there wasn't very many setups that would that were conducive to producing tornadoes. Um, overall, severe weather-wise, uh, other than tornadoes, it's, it is slightly below average uh, for 2021. But there have been a few higher impact events still uh, in the areas uh, back in March in the southeast, across the, what we call Dixie Alley, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. They've had a couple of high impact events, I and mean, then here recently in July. Um, there was a, a tornado outbreak in Iowa with over 40, over 40 confirmed tornadoes. So, so you mentioned the storm chasing. How does one get the bug to be a storm chaser? 
for me personally, and like many others, it starts off when you're a child. Uh, for me, watching PBS and seeing the Nova specials for tornadoes, and also growing up in, in Texas, we had severe weather around us all the time. Um, instead of being scared of it, I was fascinated by it. Um, for some others, it could be watching it on television, uh, seeing um, the movie Twister, um, seeing um, Storm Chasers on Discovery Channel. There's lots of different little uh, outlets there that people can get their hands on to witness storm chasing. And But a lot of it comes down to just being fascinated from uh, childhood or as a teenager. There's usually an event that occurred that draws you closer to it, and that starts off, you know, as just a passion for weather, and then it turns into, I want to see this in person, and then that kind of slowly leads into, you know, going out and chasing. So let me ask you this, for the storm chasing, how do you predict the storm's path isn't going to change, and you'll be right in it? And I'm looking for just a, a brief answer here, not a whole scientific explanation of tracking tracking storms but you know that i guess would be my worry if i went on one of these uh expeditions every storm behaves a little bit differently um when we're out we monitor the storms uh and we see what the overall direction is going to be for the day most most storms move northeasterly easterly or southeasterly mostly on the easterly track um they're usually not too terribly unpredictable. The slower moving storms tend to be a little bit more wobbly. Um, when we encounter a storm like that, we usually stay a further away distance from it. Um, a lot of people have this uh, idea that storm chasing is just getting right in the middle of the storm. Any storm chase, you're actually staying um, a mile or two or even several miles away from the storm to, to, to document it from a distance. That's where you actually get the best viewing from the storm. So even if we're several miles away viewing the storm, um, it, it does change course a little bit. We're still safe. We always have escape routes as well when we stop to make sure, hey, if this happens, we can go south, we can escape it this way. So there's always a, there's always a plan B or C uh, when, we're, when we're watching a storm. Okay, that makes sense. Now, what is the scariest element of a tornado versus a hurricane? Tornadoes are a very localized area of, of destruction. Most tornadoes are are going to be under a half mile wide. Most of them are just going to be uh, 100 yards, uh, around 100 yards wide. Um, so the damage path is fairly narrow, but the winds that are contained within those and the more violent tornadoes are very powerful, even um, pulling gravel off roadways and trenching the earth. As for a hurricane, is a very, very large area, but the, the greatest part of the, the most powerful part of a hurricane is along the Iowa region of the storm. And that can be, uh, that can be 20, 30 miles wide, where you have just really intense uh, winds. And then also you have all the other uh, elements of a hurricane that are devastating as well, as far as storm surge and flooding. And, um, and flooding is the number one uh, killer weather phenomenon across the world is flooding. And the same goes with a hurricane as well, is the flooding aspect. They're both, they both have their, uh, they're both pretty potent storm systems, but the hurricane as far as large-scale damage, definitely takes the cake mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, overall damage and, and catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so much flooding all over now. Now, listen, you, you mentioned the tornado's path. What accounts for a tornado's skipping pattern where it may totally devastate one house and leave its neighbor completely intact? 
there is a type of tornado called a multiple vortex tornado. Uh, most tornadoes are, in fact, multiple vortex. It's just whether or not uh, how visible the vortices are when we're documenting these tornadoes um, is so you have a main parent circulation. Imagine like a carousel. Um, you have the main rotation, but within that uh, carousel of rotation, there are smaller vortices within it that are also carouseling within the main parent circulation. So you can have, um, say, for example, we have a 100-yard-wide area of circulation, but within that you have these little two- to three-yard-wide circulations that are much more powerful wind speeds. So you can have a, a, a broad tornado go over uh, a, a subdivision, and you'll have several homes be completely intact, but yet this one's destroyed and that one's destroyed because the subvortices impacted those homes. And the even though the main parent circulation may only have 100 mile an hour winds, those subvortices could have 150 to 200 plus mile an hour winds in just a small little compact area. So it's just like getting hit by a wrecking ball when they impact a home, and that would explain why one home is completely fine and the next home is completely damaged. Very interesting, and I appreciate you explaining that in, in terms I could understand and not going full, no, uh, not going full meteorologist on me. <laughs> so, so what's the worst tornado experience you've had? Oh, goodness, this is an easy one for me. I was not, just the distance, I was not on a storm chasing tour. I was chasing my own personal time with a friend. It was Mother's Day in, uh, I think it was 2014 or 15. We were in Cordova, Nebraska. We were on what's called a high precipitation supercell, which means the storm produces lots of rain, and the area where the tornado would develop was obscured by rain. So uh, the tornado was basically hiding in the rain, but we knew that there was a small area back to our northeast we could get in and maybe get a peek in there. So we decided to... Um, get in that little notch and try to get a view of the tornado. While we were making that move, the tornado moved, um, it started to move a little bit more southeasterly. It was moving due east. And like you were discussed earlier, you know, the, 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 a tor you know, the movement of a storm can sometimes be a little erratic. And this happened to be one of those circumstances. And we tried to get a good view. And when we got in there, we realized the tornado was moving more southeasterly. And we quickly discovered that we were right next to the tornado, and it was very large. Actually, one of the largest tornadoes I've ever witnessed. It was uh, just under two miles wide, mm -hmm. and it uh, impacted us. Uh, we were on the southern flank of the circulation. We weren't directly hit by it. We were just on the southern edge, what we call the outer circulation wind. Uh, we turned around, did a U-turn immediately to go back south. Uh, we had power lines uh, and power poles trying to fall on top of us. We had to escape into the ditch because uh, mm -hmm. the lines were blocking the road. We had to drive in the, in the ditch of the road and escape it. Uh, we weren't in it very long, just briefly, about 30 seconds. But it was uh, it was definitely terrifying, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so, dude, <laughs> what are you doing storm yeah. chasing? I mean, that would have shut me down. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, looking back at it now, it was certainly thrilling. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Twister earlier as maybe a, a, a reason some people become curious about storm chasing. But what about The Wizard of Oz? It, what kind of role did that movie play in our heightened fear of tornadoes where people may not want to have anything to do with them? I just have to say, out of all movies ever made uh, that feature tornadoes, 
In my personal opinion, the Wizard of Oz has the most realistic-looking tornado ever created in any movie set. So big thumbs up to those guys for being able to accomplish that back then in the 30s. So very awesome. Um, I think um, there's a lot of uh, TV and movies, um, not just the Wizard of Oz. Uh, tornadoes have this kind of persona of, of uh, going after people and attacking people, almost like they have a personality. Mm. Um, and the Wizard of Oz is no different. Uh, here's a here's a tornado out in the field behind Dorothy's home, and it's very narrow, and it's coming right to the farmstead, um, which does happen in real life. I've seen tornadoes, you know, like out in the middle of nowhere, Colorado and Eastern Plains, and one home, not another one for miles, and a tornado will just run it right over. And you're like, why does that narrow tornado hit that one house mm-hmm. uh, and not just go either side of it a little bit? Um, it just tornadoes are, 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 are for a lot of people they're they're scary. Um, um, people who live in Tornado Alley they are more accustomed to them. They're part of our culture. Uh, people who aren't used to living in this area are, are are usually a little bit more scared of them. And watching movies and and seeing them on TV um, definitely probably enhances that fear a little bit. Okay, so now you chased and documented Category 4 Hurricane Harvey on the Texas coast. Tell us about that experience. So I've always, I've been storm chasing since um, around 2003, and it has always been a bucket list for me to chase a hurricane, but I did not want to chase a uh, Category 1 or 2. Uh, I was looking for an upper end, like a 3, 4, maybe a 5, depending on what was going to make uh, landfall. And uh, I wanted to go with someone's experience, so I went with some friends who have chased many hurricanes. And chasing hurricanes is a lot different than chasing a, a tornadic supercell. Um, when you're chasing a supercell thunderstorm, you, you have your target area that you make in your forecast. You drive to that area. You witness the storm. And at the end of the day, you go have dinner. You go back to your room. And you start the whole process over again. The next day, you're comfortable at the end of the day. With a hurricane, you have to not only forecast where the eyewall is going to make landfall, but you also have to look at the topography. You have to say, well, is there a structure that's safe enough for me to stay in? Is there uh, high ground there to you know to stay away from storm surge and flooding? There's all this planning that's involved with hurricane chasing, and you're literally going in to a hurricane in a life or death situation. It's a survival mode when you chase a hurricane versus storm chasing a supercell uh, thunderstorm with the hope of, you know, seeing amazing swim structure and tornadoes and lightning, um, you know, that's that's more of a, a daily activity as where you're invested in that hurricane for maybe up to a week because you could be stranded um, in, lo- you know, stranded location for the week. There's no gasoline. There's this huge preparation. I've always wanted experience chasing a hurricane. So when Hurricane Harvey was making landfall, um, I networked with some friends. We went down there, and uh, it was a bucket list thing. I've always wanted to experience it. I wasn't sure how I was going to. You know, if it was going to be something I'd be addicted to and want to continue, and it was an incredible experience. But it was, um, it was. There's no beauty in chasing a hurricane. Um, it was a very high stress environment. Uh, there was so much chaos going on. Um, I got to experience the same over 100 mile an hour winds, and um, the, I've never felt rain hit me in the face like I did there in the, in the, in the hurricane. It just stings you. I tell people, if you want to chase a hurricane, go to a car wash, one of the self-service ones, and have someone power wash you mm. from about three feet away. And that's what it's standing out in a hurricane feels like, oh, a powerful goodness. hurricane. It's, it's, it's something else. I'm not joking. The experience would be very similar. 
Mm, <laughs> um, good analogy. I'm sorry? That's a good description of what's going on, is thinking about being in the car wash like that. I immediately can visualize what that is like, even though I've watched tons of uh, weather people standing on, you know, they're like standing with everything falling behind them. You don't really realize that. But when you said that about the car wash, I got a perfect picture of, of, of what that would be like. So I appreciate that. Uh, so you stopped chasing the hurricanes then? I stopped chasing the hurricanes. It was it was cool to get, you know, to scratch my bucket list off to experience one, a powerful hurricane. Um, it's just it's just not my cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> but I was but I I enjoyed the experience. I was and I was able to document and seeing the destruction afterwards is very humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also another element of it too. Is I don't I don't chase for the destruction. I chase for the beauty. Unfortunately, severe weather causes destruction. But most of the time, when we're on the road and we're on tours and we're storm chasing, we're we're seeing the beautiful side of nature. Most of these storms are in uh, unpopulated areas. They're doing they're not really doing much damage, not really hurting anything. Uh, when they impact, um, you know, highly populated areas and they're doing damage and taking away from life and property, um, that's that's not a very that's not a very good side of of, uh, of weather and, mm-hmm. and um and there's there's journalists out there who are out there to document that and they do an amazing job uh but that's that's not that's not what i like to do mm-hmm. so but okay. it was it was it was interesting to experience yeah it sounds like you've had a very interesting life so i do want to talk a little bit about your storm chasing uh services because people listening to this show may want to um get involved in it after hearing a little bit. We are short on time though. So I'm going to ask you to just like briefly describe the encounter someone might experience if they did some storm chasing with you. Um, so I do six, seven and 10 day long tours. Um, basically just real quick. Um, people will book typically a year out in advance. Um, I'm already almost sold out for my 2022 tours. Um, People usually book out a year in advance. Um, they'll arrive in one of my base cities in Oklahoma City, Denver, or Rapid City, depending on the tour and the time of year. And um, we always do a big safety orientation and talk about severe weather to get everyone's feet on the ground. And um, each day we just were in a different area. We never chase hardly in the same area twice. Um, this last tour, my last tour we just completed, we chased in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming. Um, Nebraska, Iowa, we were creeping to Minnesota for a minute. So we were in several different states in the course of 10 days. Um, would stay in different hotel each night. Um, the whole time we're educating people on what we're seeing, uh, explaining every little thing to them. People can never ask us too many questions. It's just a whole vacation um, that's all about severe weather. And we get to enjoy the small town life. As well, we're out there um, and enjoy the the, uh, the culture of a tornado alley. So it's a it's a very multifaceted type of vacation. Uh, it's, I have about a seventy percent return guest rate. The people come out and they just can't get enough. Well, what I found was interesting that you that you said to me was that seventy percent of your clientele is from overseas, from places like Australia, Europe, Dubai, Israel. Why is that? I think the biggest reason is because. Here in the United States, we're so used to having severe weather in front of us all the time. It's always on TV, and it's just um, for a lot of people here in the states. When they hear about what I do, 
Uh, and the, the services we offer, they're like, wow, people actually will pay money to do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing to you know see a tornado or a supercell up close. And, and for a lot of people who live in other countries, they don't get the severe weather or the frequency of the severe weather that we do. But yet they still have come in contact with that passion in some way, whether it be on TV or some type of you know event that happened in near their neighborhood or to them personally that has drawn them to it. Uh, and one of the greatest places on Earth to come see it is here in the United States. So people from all over the world are attracted to our weather and just find it fascinating, and they, they want to come here and see it firsthand. And I believe international guests may also enjoy exploring the rural parts of America, not the tourist uh, attractions. That's a huge part of what we do as well, and I think that's another reason why we get so many uh, international guests that uh, return with us each year is – you know, if we're, there's no reason for someone from Australia to be in liberal Kansas or Lewiston, yeah. <laughs> North Dakota or Sydney, Montana. There's these little small towns yeah. scattered throughout the plains that make up, you know, the, the heart and soul of our of Tornado Alley. Um, there's there's no reason for anyone to really be there unless you're stone chasing. So mm-hmm. they get to see all these little small towns and the friendly, smiling faces in each town that we encounter. And uh, they're almost like little local celebrities. We pull into town. People see that we're storm chasing, and they they love meeting all the different people from different countries that are that are in their town. You know, um, mm-hmm. so there's just the whole experience that goes along with it as well. Mm-hmm. Besides the storm chasing, I know it sounds very interesting. So a couple more questions, but first, while we're just here, let's uh, if someone is interested in storm chasing with you, where could they get info? Uh, the best place to get info is on our website, which is www.tornadicexpeditions.com. Uh, we have a full-blown website there with videos and everything you need to know. And, of course, you can go to contact us and send me a quick a message, and I'll be the one that would personally respond to you if there was any further questions someone may have. Or to book your trip, too. They can uh, just go to the tour schedule, see what's available for them, and hit book now and follow the instructions, and we'll get you guys rolling. Okay. One more time, the site? www.tornaticexpeditions.com. Okay. Now, you say when folks gather to storm chase, they are with their kind. Explain what you mean by this. We get people from all backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, um, no matter, you know, people who just graduated high school to retired NASA engineers. We get all people from walks of life, and everyone has a common interest of wanting to see severe weather. Because when you're a storm chaser, um, or really passionate about weather, a lot of people think you're a little bit crazy. They, they really do. They're like, there's two responses to this. Wow, I would love to do that. Or wow, you're crazy. There's the only, there's no middle ground. Um, so these people kind of feel a little isolated when they're back at home. They're fascinated with weather. They don't really have anyone to talk to. Um, you know, everyone thinks they're nuts. So um, when they come on this trip, they're just surrounded by everyone else who thinks and loves weather just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people kind of find their home. Uh, with cool. us and uh, and with the other the other guests, and it just becomes a you know we're on the road with people for seven days. You become family, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's a really special part of the tours as well. Last question for you: Can one find beauty in a storm? Oh yes, uh, supercell thunderstorms are uh, incredibly beautiful. Uh, the, the the lightning shows they put on after dark, uh, even the tornadoes themselves can be. Uh, quite beautiful, but the the storms and just the environment that we chase them in is uh, it's stunning. It's it's the, one of the reasons why I keep going back because each day you chase is another story to be told, 
And it's fascinating and beautiful to be part of that story each day that severe weather occurs. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Time for our nonprofit spotlight. Taking from their website, the North Carolina Reading Service has been operating as a 501c3 nonprofit serving the blind and print-impaired community since 1983. Located in Raleigh, North Carolina, the service provides news and information 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. NC Reading Service provides quality programming with daily live broadcasts of the News and Observer, USA Today, and newspapers from Eastern North Carolina. Listeners also enjoy special programs such as the North Carolina Symphony Notes, Salute a Veteran Every Day, and Legal Matters, just to name a few. The service fills a vital role in replacing isolation with connections. If you would like to learn more about the North Carolina Reading Service, please feel free to contact them by calling 919-832-5138. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Keep listening on any major podcast platform or our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com, B-U-Z-Z. To hear stories saying the wackiest things from kids and adults, info on ham radio fun, WISP minister dog info, new training for police officers, and housing market blues, but clues, too, for success. Be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be agreeable.